I just want to say, any listener, any YouTube viewer, uh, we want to see your tattoos. Show show us your tattoo and tag us. I want to see it. Only if it's bourbon related. <laughs> uh, <laughs> This is Bourbon Pursuit, the official podcast of bourbon, bringing to you the best in news, reviews, and interviews with people making the bourbon whiskey industry happen. And I'm one of your hosts, Kenny Coleman. On the show, we rate bourbons all the time. That's our whiskey quickies that are on Tuesdays. But we've never really rated things that surround the product and the bourbon culture. And in this episode, Ryan, Fred, and myself, we look at a bunch of subjects and ask whether it's underrated, overrated, or properly rated. From single barrel picks to bourbon-themed weddings, there's a lot to cover. We'll break down whether Booker's boxes and wax tippings are gimmicks, or do they genuinely enhance the experience? And what about those whiskey influencers that we see all over YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, and even podcasts? Are they spreading valuable knowledge, or are they just spreading hype? We'll also discuss whether tasting notes and bottled and bond really mean anything, and if the Fred Minnick effect is real. With that, enjoy this week's episode. And now here's Fred Minnick with Above the Char. I'm Fred Minnick, and this is Above the Char. This week's idea comes from Ryan Bliss, who writes on Twitter, thoughts on taters, good or a bad thing, product of a growing popularity in the bourbon industry, or hype around allocated products. Feels like it's a negative label for people just wanting to get a slice of the good stuff, that bourbon snobs hoard. Ooh, RB, wanting to go with it here. Wanting to stir the pot a little bit, RB. Ryan Bliss on Twitter, stirring the pot. So let's establish what a, a tater is in the first place, okay? So there's a lengthy definition and a lot of things that will qualify you as a tater. Go to uh, Wade Wooder's blog, Tater Talk, and he's got all that stuff lined out. But I'm just going to give you a real basic definition that is not narrowly tailored by any means, and pretty much anybody who listens to a podcast or goes to a YouTube channel or waits outside of a liquor store for a bottle or was willing to pay over SRP for a bottle, you're a tater. Those those are the qualifications, some of the qualifications for being a tater. And I, I think it's all in good fun. I, I think for the most part, people have a good time with it, just like in fantasy football or you know some kind of bowling game or some kind of sport that you're involved with with your friends, your fraternity brothers, the people you're in the military with, someone you grew up with. You know, if you have a close group of friends, you give each you give each other shit over the dumbest stuff. And if that's not where you are with your friends, and that's just how a lot of people are. And so tater, the word tater is a part. Of that, bourbon is a for the most part a tight knit community, and people have a lot of fun with each other, and so you know harmless insults are born out of hobbies. I mean, I played football, I played rugby, I wrestled, I was in the military. The amount of shit we gave each other in every aspect of that, and and I'm in jujitsu now. And we give each other shit in jujitsu. Like it's it's a never anytime you're in something where it's a hobby and you're with friends, people are gonna sling insults. And they're harmless, absolutely harmless. They're not meant to offend. But if you are offended by something that someone says, if you take a look at how they phrase the word tater, you're likely to see that tater 
is just a word it packed full of other insults. Like whenever someone slung really mean stuff towards someone using the word tater, if you take a close look, there's some pronouns in there that are unsavory and some adjectives that you couldn't say around your children. So I, I always caution you to say like, is it the word tater or is it this person's intent? Some people are just being mean and some people are just having fun with it. I have been called a tater probably more than anybody. I've been called, I've been given a lot of insults over the years, but in the bourbon category, I've been called a tater a lot. So I had fun with it. I actually spent like five, $700 to make a custom tater costume for my wife to wear. Now, don't be going overboard here thinking about what we did with that. She would wear that and come behind me on my set when I was recording a, a tasting video, and she would grab a bottle of Blanton's and sneak off. And our whole idea was that she was going to wear it on my blind bourbon stage and, and steal bottles. But as we started talking to people, no one understood it. So Tater's a very, very niche of the niche of the niche word in the bourbon community. So if you have been called a Tater, just consider it a badge of honor. And it's, <laughs> it's just part of the community these days. And I wouldn't get too hung up on it and the category itself is full of taters and those who call people out as taters are most likely a tater too by definition so kenny's a tater ryan's a tater i'm a tater we're all just a bunch of taters and that's going to do it for this week's above the char hey if you want to be like rb hit me up on twitter do hashtag tater while you're at it and uh let me know your idea if i like it i'll read it on the air until next week cheers from their bar to yours, Chad and Sarah of the popular YouTube channel It's Bourbon Night bring you their favorite at-home old-fashioned mix with the new Elemental Elixir's Golden Hour Syrup. It's a custom-made syrup with notes of bold black tea, warm spices, and orange zest. All you need is your favorite whiskey and ice. No bitters needed. One bottle makes 16 drinks, so that's only $1 cocktail before you add your own whiskey. They can also be enjoyed in other cocktails or spirits, mocktails, coffee, tea, and anything you can think of. It's crafted locally in Lexington, Kentucky, and you can get your bottle now at whiskeyambitions.com. And they're off for another Gift 270 2020 Unicorn Raffle. Your $20 ticket gives you not one, but two chances to win from our lineup of 20 Woodford Reserve treasures, including the grand prize, the rarest unicorn yet, the Woodford Reserve Kentucky Derby 150 Baccarat Edition. Only 150 bottles were made and is just like the one the Derby winning owner receives. Quit horsing around and get your $20 tickets now at give270.org. Charitable gaming license ORG 0002703. Ed Bly and Rising Tide Spirits are back again with a new release of Old Stubborn Bourbon. And this release of Old Stubborn is a premium hand marriage of 10, 11, and 12-year cask drink, barely filtered pot still bourbon. It comes in at a staggering 123.8 proof. And the flavoring grain for this one, which the last one was weeded, but this time it's now rye. Rich, sweet, and bold with a long finish that's sure to be another eye-opener. You can order online at Sealbox or TheBourbonConcierge.com and you can even purchase in person at Revival Vintage Spirits and even now with very few select stores in Kentucky. You can get it now while you can, but be sure to do it because it's not going to last long. Welcome, everybody. We're back with another episode of Bourbon Pursuit, the official podcast of bourbon. Today's going to be a fun one. 
I had a little bit of inspiration for this one because it's a little bit hit or miss. Some people like him, some people don't. But if anybody knows Gary Vanderchuk or Gary V knows that he's got these little segments of stuff that he does and it's called overrated, underrated, or properly rated. And it's just like random things. And I was listening to one and the topic of whiskey came up and he goes properly rated and kind of just talked about sort of like where the market is for it and all this other kind of stuff. And I mean, it could be anything from shoes. It could be to tablecloths. It could really be anything. And he just gives his his idea on it. And I said, how fun would that be if we took a lot of ideas and things that are happening inside the bourbon world and let's put our rating next to them and see what we think. So that's kind of the segment for this one. So it'll be like it. kind of an interesting way to, to take things. All right. Let's see who can make mad. All right. Do it. Let's do the first one. So overrated, underrated, or properly rated, start off with single barrel. I think they're properly rated because there's some that are really awesome, but it kind of got diluted during the COVID years with like everybody was just putting out single barrels. But I think single barrels from good quality producers who have great excess stock, I mean, that it's hard to beat those. So what started the whole unicorn chase after you couldn't get unicorns? I know right? that I don't want to say I started that trend, but I kind of <laughs> I didn't I pointed it out though that it was going to be the next wave, it, you know, because it was LTEs and then you were frustrated that then you got single barrels and now it's single barrels you can't get. So unless it's from a non big six producer, I was but, about to say now single barrels are pretty abundant, right? Yeah. So I, I I know that was a boring answer, but yeah, properly rated. Fred, what do you think? Are we talking single barrel picks or single barrel barrel barrel? Barrel, barrel. Isn't that the same thing? Well, oh. no, it's different because no, you have like, right. well, you have like Four Roses single, single barrel. barrel or like, you know, Green River just came out with their single, not that somebody picked, but the distillery is yeah. bottling or Henry yeah. McKenna single barrel or Evan Williams. I guess or that's well, no our single barrel. All right. Well, let's go well, single barrel picks then. Let's, let's okay. narrow it down. Um, the next one could be single barrel from. There you go. All right. I'll say overrated, you know, because. There's so many of them out there. And even I've gone back and tasted my barrel picks and you don't always get, you know, every distillery is different. I mean, Buffalo Trace, you might get three barrels if you're lucky to get a Buffalo Trace barrel pick. And so you don't even get to taste through like you used to. And I'm fortunate enough that when I did a Four Roses pick 10, 12 years ago, we had the two of every recipe. So we were inundated and thankfully someone else drove us home, but we would taste all through it. You know, just you just don't get as many options anymore. I will say that some of the best barrel picks come from the NDPs because that's how they are getting their name out there. So from these NDPs, like maybe Nulu, Nashville Barrel Company, people like that, that is properly rated. From the main distillers, I would say overrated, because you don't get access to the barrels like you used to. And you know what? They're holding on to their own stocks for their own use. So that's probably a smarter move for them in the long run. I agree with all that. I think this category has probably seen all three of it, where it actually started off as underrated when they had excess and people didn't really know about it. Then it became properly rated when there was a good amount of people that were into it. Now I agree with Fred. I think it's in the overrated category. There's just too much out there. There's too many... I mean, don't be wrong. It's fun to go pick a pick a barrel, but there's too much access. There's too much access. I I went to a major distillery, and I'm not going to name them, but 
we did two barrel picks of two different brands that they do, and I thought they were all mediocre at best, but I didn't want to be that guy to be like, nope, not taking this. But it's definitely from the majors has fallen off, like as you said. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, okay. Well, let's start with the next one. A brand that comes out with their own, quote, single barrel as a product offering. This is what we said, Four Roses. Yeah. I guess we can lump Henry Kenna into it. We could probably lump Green River into it. They just came out with theirs, so... Properly rated. I like the chase of of single barrels from the brands. Uh, that's to me. That's different than the barrel picks from uh, from a club because those are usually put together by like you know high level tasters. And everyone knows my affection for Henry McKenna. And that that single barrel to me is like you know it's varies every single time, but it's usually a single barrel is usually very best that they can put out from that brand, from that company. And so I think they are properly rated and I, I love them except for Blanton's. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I could have uh, yeah. lumped that one into it as well. I'm going to go overrated that yes, single barrels are special, but I feel like the ones that are put out by the big six are kind of just okay. I mean, you do get some magical hand beginning ones from now and then, but anymore most of the times i've had them lately they just been kind of very mediocre and quite frankly i thought you know a blended elijah craig a a lot of times if you put these up against you know a a nice blended small batch they don't stand up to them you know as far as consistency now that's what i want to buy something i want to know that it's good so i would say overrated i'd say overrated as well only because of the amount you have to put out as a single barrel we know that if you are a company that is, if you're, I mean, let's be honest, if you're trying to put out a single barrel across the country, that doesn't work. Single barrel, sometimes as you make it across, if you have two or three locations of a store, doesn't even work. So try to say that we're going to try to create the best single barrel that's going to be available across 30 some odd, 50 some odd states or something like that. I think it's impossible. So I'm going to stick with overrated. Very good. All right. Next one. Spirit Awards. I'm going to I'm going to go on the limb here. I'm going to say a little overrated. And that's only because Fred we love you love the Ascots. Oh sure, yeah. We love mm-hmm. but beyond Ascots, beyond San Francisco and maybe a little bit of Barley Corner New York, you don't really see those kind of like move the needle for the brands and those those are the only ones that kind of make noise in the market. But that's the problem is that there's too much noise of Every there's just so many Spirit Awards brands. So if people are and and I am not going to dog any names, but you'll have some people that go, "Oh, we've won ten thousand awards for all of our whiskeys." It's like, well, no shit. That's pretty easy to do when you submit it to literally every single thing that's out there. Yeah, I'm going to go properly rated. I mean, yes, but it it's only with those top three. Outside of that, they don't move the needle for anyone or do anything. But I have seen those three really help catapult brands and to help give them validity with consumers and not just consumers, but distributors and liquor store owners, because when they get pitched a new product, you've won double platinum at Ascot or double gold at San Francisco, you know, it makes them feel safe to bring on your new brand. So, but what really moves the needles with those best in class. So it's, it's, Oh yeah. uh, You can win double gold all the time, but unless you become the top tier of that category. Yeah. There, there, there's like, you know, no greater catapult than winning the best in class, like mm-hmm. versus just like the double golds and double platinums and whatnot. Should I recuse myself from this? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> since, I, since I own a spirits competition, and 
my background, you know, I've I've You've been, done it forever. So I've, yes. yeah, this has been I've been I've been a judge in these. And that for me, I'll say properly rated as a judge because that is tasting with colleagues is the greatest moment of my year. Like I love, yeah, I do my single top 100 thing on all that. That's just me doing my thing. I love tasting with Lou Bryson, Clay Risen, Peggy No Stevens, Susan Riegler, Tiffany Barrier. I love tasting with people that I have considered colleagues and friends for many years. I also like finding new tasters out there. But these are, I mean, I cannot stress this enough. These are for the brands. Like these are, these competitions are, they are businesses. They are businesses that are meant to put the best of the best. It's the same as the Grammys. It's the same as the Oscars, just a different level and different grading system. But there's a lot of competitions that are out there in the book world that are just like the spirits competitions in the marketing world, in in the construction world. There's what's the one that, that the cars always talk about? Like they got this JD Power, JD Power. Yeah, J, the spirits competitions have the same exact model as JD Power and Associates. Every single one of them do. And so you hear someone win a gold, a bronze, or whatever. You can take that however you want, but when you hear it win best in class, that is a big deal. And to me, the the competitions when you have when someone wins the double gold or the double platinum or the best in class, pay attention to that. And if you if you use that as your guide, and you know you'll be better for it. But for me, like tasting with people, it is it is an absolute pleasure. So I would say properly rated. But I got a question. Do yeah. you think? What holds more weight for a brand? You saying you yourself, you doing your whiskey of the year results or spirit competition? I'd say it's probably like when I've done it myself, just just knowing that I, even to this day, like the Henry McKenna thing, like we, I was a part of a panel that picked it and, you know, 50, 60 other judges that picked it, but because I wrote about it and kind of talked about it and used my own opinion on it, that is what, you know, everyone gravitated would, toward. Yeah, I would agree with you. In the, in the Ascots, it's not me. It's the entire, we have 40 something judges. It's not me. It's, it's yeah, everybody. Some high caliber talent in that one. And, and so like when, when someone wins the award, they don't, they say it's Fred Minnick's Ascot Awards. They don't say Fred Minnick picked it. So like people understand the difference between me and them doing it. But when it comes to the, my, my top 100, I've, you know, talk to anytime I have like a small brand or something that makes in that top 10, like I talk to them and they tell me like, like, my God, I've never sold so much in my life. Like we've never had this much interest, you know, Boulder Spirits uh, or Boulder Bourbon this, last year, which came in like 10th. I mean, that thing was amazing. And he's like, you know, we're opening markets left and right now. And I can't get, I was like, I, I'm, it, it's exciting for me. But at the same time, like if the whiskey sucks, the whiskey sucks. And I want to encourage good whiskey. So that's kind of, kind of it. All right. Booker's boxes. Oh my God. So overrated. I I hate, but I also, I get, I get them. You know, we have them. Like if I don't have Booker's in the house, Jacqueline, I, that is the only thing I think she would leave me. I think if I did not have a stable supply of Booker's in our house. Not worry about Booker's. 
What about the boxes? I said the I know, but the boxes they just I have too many of them. Yeah, <laughs> they're cool for the first couple, and then it's like after that you're like I don't want this thing. <laughs> like what am I gonna do? Put recipe cards in it? Right. I, I would actually say it's underrated. I mean, it can be used for a lot of. There's a lot of utility you can be. Doesn't your uncle make those? Not anymore. He sold the company. So oh, okay. now I can say what I feel. No, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I have one. I have some in my garage that I use store tools and stuff in. You know, can screwdrivers. You, can you burn them? Why not? I mean, it's could. Like, wood. Just feel like inhaling paint and yeah. varnish. Yeah. yeah, I would say it's underrated only because a it does have utility after after the bottle's empty, but at the same exact time, it goes to show what packaging can do to the consumer mindset. I think that if that box was not there, I don't think Booker's might not have the the draw and attention yeah. that it has today. I would agree with that. Yeah, I do agree with that. I do hate the glue they use to keep it on the back, though. Yeah. Do you have wax as one? We can let's do it. Wax, yeah. overrated. I am. I, I went to Michter's, you know, last week, and they were talking about their waxing, and this, and I was like, I am team anti wax. Somebody's gonna get hurt. I have almost cut my fingers off a million times trying on your to use, product on your product, trying to use a kitchen knife or something because nothing will break that tab open nobody does it well and it's I, i'm t- makers I, is the only one that does it well well makers yeah but everyone else stopped doing wax i'd say it's overrated as well yeah wax is not only overrated it is dangerous but for some reason man does it catch the eye of the consumer they do like it until they gotta try to open it and they're like damn this wax <laughs> <laughs> i'm looking at i'm looking at uh blake's bottle up there seal box Oh, that's you know. one you cut your finger off. Looking at looking at you, Blake. Tell us why you keep the wax, and he'll let us know because consumers like it. All right, whiskey YouTubers. I'd say properly rated because there's some good ones that are educational, that really teach about the brands and what's. And then there's some that are just annoying, doing top tens all the time, and like that that don't really care about education and this and that. They just kind of through top tens and chase trends. And so I'd say it's properly right because there's good and bad in that. It's hard for me to say. Is underrated one? Yeah, yeah. go for it. I think Whiskey YouTube is underrated. And I say this because when I I jumped into Whiskey Tube, that was the pandemic, you know, that was out of necessity. I was trying to have a career still because I lost so much in a matter of a week being furloughed from Bourbon and Beyond and the magazine and hell, this podcast and my little YouTube was the only thing I had going. And YouTube was was phenomenal for me. And I've seen, I have seen it grow. I've seen people build personalities out of it. I've seen really good education. And we have seen like myths and new theories about whiskey being born, the neck pour being one of them, come out of whiskey tube. And I think I think whiskey tube is way, way underrated. And I think we can never forget that as much as we are about education, we're also like a little bit of entertainment. And so you have you have like Chad and Sarah, very entertaining. Yeah. You got ADHD whiskey. Matt is incredibly entertaining. Oh gosh, hilarious. Like a comedy you know, special. I mean, he's I'm laughing every time. He's amazing. <laughs> and you of course you, you got, got Mash and Drum. Mash yeah. and Drum. Like my favorite Mash and Drum moment is when he is when he had maybe just a little too much and he tripped on the chair and fell over and got <laughs> right back up and started tasting. And so like I I mean, I I do watch those guys. And I love it when I can hop in on a live stream and I think it's so underrated. I think it's a great place to educate people and find new consumers. 
I think the good ones are underrated, yeah. but there's so many now that everyone's just doing the same thing. Here's it's like, here's, here's the, a drink against plantains. Well, it's or, because, uh, yeah, that's that's the recipe. And like, they're just doing like the same thing. And it's like, But it's not as bad as TikTok. It's not as bad as that or even Instagram. I think I think real education can be had from the majority of whiskey tube. You can also tell when they're buying followers, you know, and that is that is one where there is a like, oh, I got more followers and Fred or whatever. Man, look, you can go and get more followers than me or whoever. I'm perfectly content with whatever I got on YouTube. But I think that whiskey tube is a place for education, but there's also it's also the the bad part of it is the rivalry that comes out of like some of the fans of the groups. Like uh, you know, there'll be a fan of of like a certain whiskey channel that goes and hates on another whiskey tuber. That's happened. And we saw that they're communities and they become tight knit communities. And like if anyone ever attacks Bourbon Pursuit, you know, our community goes back and like saying, yeah, actually that's not true. And so there's a little bit of, there can be a little bit of chippiness by the fans and the comments. But other than that, man, I think Whiskey Tube is an amazing place. Yeah. I like going last in these because I'll, I'll go properly rated. I get to hear y'all's, y'all's thoughts on it. And yes, I think that there is a good amount of content out there that's coming from the, the, the top tier creators. I do feel that, of course, it, it's like podcasting. There is there's a low barrier to entry to a lot of this sort of stuff, and so it's easy to get into it. By the way, you remember in the pandemic, everybody started a whiskey podcast. Yeah, there was and a lot. whiskey YouTube. You know. They've started to fall off a little they bit. Now. Yeah, they don't realize it's a second job. But the other thing that I like about whiskey YouTube is that you can do longer form content, which also lends itself to education. Mm-hmm. And I think that'll take us to our next one is, let's say, short form content. We'll say Instagram and TikTok. Overrated. Well, I don't know. Actually, I, I'm going to go reverse. I think it's... Now you think it's underrated? I, I don't know. Let you all talk on this. I have right. so many thoughts about short-form content because there's good things about it, but there's also bad things, and I'm trying to wrap my head around it. All right. Well, I'll... I'll I want to go last this time. I'll start first, then. I'll, I'll say overrated. And that's this because... coming from the king of TikTok? It, well, I think I've lost that crown now. But for me, when I look at this, is that it was not necessarily it, it it goes against the nature of what I really like and what I enjoy in regards of like the whiskey space because I like to be educated on it. I like to see new and interesting things. Now, don't be wrong, I am still very much like looking at reels and I look at TikTok. I definitely look at it every day, but that's because it's just a kind of like quick burst of entertainment. Now, don't be wrong, there's definitely some people there that know what they're doing, but it is even a lower barrier to entry to get into that. I will say that we have evolved from duck lips and close hand shots <laughs> uh, to actually trying to create content that will either make you laugh or make you think. So I think properly rated. And believe me, there is a vast many that uh, if I'm thinking about the actual true whiskey influencers out there, and there's some funny content. I, I, I think uh, the short form for me is a laugh. What's the guy's name? Bra- Braza? Bra- I can't think of his name. Well, I got nothing there. Yeah, I can't think of his name, but it's something. But he cracks me up, and uh, he does a great job with it. And I think also Aaron from Smoke Wagon, as much as we don't want to think of him as like a, an influencer, he's an actual whiskey producer and a very good blender, <laughs> His stuff is kind of funny, you know, but 
I think I look at short form as a, just kind of a little a little laugh. I don't really want to think. And so to me, properly rated, but you're you're right, Kenny. It's not where you go for learning. I think you just have to put a different cap on. You just want like mindless entertainment sometimes. Yeah. And, and that's 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 what it is. It's a, it's the soap opera maybe of of whiskey. But I, I will say I am glad we are we have moved on from the like tuck the bottle in close and do your duck lips or you know. I, I am kind of glad that the the reels has overtaken that like yeah. because yeah of just going and taking a picture with a bottle or doing some pose with it is is not working anymore it's like you have to create some sort of yeah. short form content to get the boost and and by the way I also want to go back to what I was saying earlier about some of the the things is like we had basement rickhouse on the podcast and i enjoy what they do because their short form content is actually riddled with history that you can put in a small digestible like one to two minute piece and that's i do enjoy that and for me as an author and as someone who does like long form long long form content it's very challenging to do something in 30 seconds and so i have so much respect for someone who can do that and i know how much work goes into it because i know when i when i've done a reel you know, I mean, like, I, it I, takes just as long as to record this damn thing. I know. It's like, <laughs> it may be even longer. And then it's like, what music do I pick? Oh, I got to redo it. <laughs> oh, they're a pain in the ass. But I'm going to go underrated because there have been so many times that, yes, a lot of it's mindless, dumb entertainment, but there's been so many times like, and for instance, like with Joe Rogan pocket, you see them and they're like these three hour things, but he has so many and you're like, I just don't know if I want to like get dive into that. But then I see like a quick burst, you know, like short, segment of the interview and I'm like, ooh, that sounds interesting. The next thing I know, I'm listening to the three-hour form. Yeah. Or, you know, I see something like about, you know, whiskey or wine or a cocktail and then it, then all of a sudden I'm like going down this rabbit hole and wanting to learn more about that. So I think it's underrated because it captures someone's attention. You know, ours was very short and so if you can get that attention to move further into what they're interested in, I think that's, I think that's a win for everyone. So I'm going to go underrated. I will say, I will say, I probably am not the best person to have made that made these statements because I don't really get into the whiskey reels. They come up every now and then. Majority of my social media is jujitsu. So, you know, most of my stuff is like getting out of guard or some kind of new choke or something like that. So I don't really am not really on there looking at whiskey reels in truth. Well, I am. I guess. <laughs> yeah, that and golf. Mine's filled with golf stuff all the time. And then next thing, you know, it's like I watch one, the next thing I'm going to the range trying to practice it, then it screws up everything I learned from the other reel. And then I'm just <laughs> but I remember because you used to lo- used to log on to the Bourbon Pursuit TikTok account and all of a sudden I'm getting like pickleball things oh, in my yeah. feed. Mine's, like, fi- mine's filled with pickleball right now. Too. <laughs> wow. Like how to dink and Did dunk. you get into that? Oh, yeah. We're obsessed with pickleball really? right now. We played. My wife plays like three days a week. I try to play at least once. But so I did this private event with Andy Roddick, and he was like bagging on pickleball big time. And then like two months later, he's like in that million dollar challenge for pickleball. Yeah. And I think I he just, won it. But I just think it's cool that you know there. I love long form content, but there's so much long form content out that I don't necessarily have the time to invest and research them all. So like a short form content that gives me a glimpse of that that makes me want to dive into that further is what I like about them. And that's why people think rye whiskey is bourbon. <laughs> there you go. Oh, wait, that was the other show. Yeah, yeah that's all right. right. It, all right. It, some Somehow people will piece this together. <laughs> all right, bourbon tattoos.
Shopify's already taken the cash register online, helping millions sell billions around the world. But did you know that Shopify can do the same thing at your retail store? Give your point of sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. Shopify's point of sale is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. And with Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in-line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. And get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's point-of-sale Go Mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash bourbon, all lowercase, and go to shopify.com slash bourbon to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash bourbon. If you're anything like me, then you can't get enough about bourbon. And that's why I'm a subscriber to Bourbon Plus magazine. Bourbon Plus is a quarterly publication that tells the stories from the heart of bourbon, the farmers who grow the grain, the distillers who labor over the process, and the people like you and me who raise their glasses to celebrate it all. Subscribe to Bourbon Plus magazine today at bourbonplus.com, that's P-L-U-S.com, and use code PURSUIT at checkout for $5 off your subscription. All right, bourbon tattoos. Oh, God, I didn't know this thing besides Bernie Lovers. That's true. I I think this is going to be kind of underrated, and this is why. I am in a – you have people that dive into something and love it, and I take music as one of those categories that people will go all in with a particular artist, and they will get that artist tattooed or their logo or something on their body. Especially it's like – you all got to understand, like, I'm, I'm not a typical, like – I don't listen to classic rock. Like I listen to EDM and these are people that have a lifespan of sometimes like 10 years and they put, and people will go and get tattoos of the, of their, of the artists on them. I'm like, why would you do that? In like five years, these people are going to be retired because they're, they're aged out of the category. However, for Tiesto, he keeps going. <laughs> Tiesto <laughs> Him keeps and Armin Van Buren. <laughs> but when I think about it, I was like, gosh, if you really love a particular product, like, for the most part, a lot of these heritage brands aren't going anywhere for hundreds of years. So I would say if you want to get a Jack Genos tattoo, go ahead and do it. I just want to say any listener, any YouTube viewer, uh, we want to see your tattoos. Show show us your tattoo and tag us. I want to see it. Only if it's bourbon related. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Your bur- bourbon related tattoos, <laughs> unless it's in your crotchal area. Maybe don't show that. <laughs> but I think it's underrated as well. I've seen... My first experience in seeing a bourbon-related tattoo was in 2008. I'm at the the Kentucky Bourbon Festival. We're in the the sipping lounge or whatever it was called then, and this guy, this Australian guy with long hair, runs up to Jimmy Russell, pulls his shirt off, and is like, "Take a look at my tattoo, mate," or however he says it. Let me and guess, there's a big old turkey on it or something? He had a big old wild turkey, like, all across his chest, his forearm. And then a Jack Daniels tour guy told me the other, other day that that she got in trouble because one of the people on their um, tour kept pulling their pants down. 
I was like, what happened? He's like, he was just trying to show everyone his Jack Daniels tattoo on his ass. So, I mean. That sounds like a spring break conversation. Yeah. But like you do see him out there and people are fans of these just like they are sports teams. I mean, how many Dallas Cowboy tattoos have you seen? How many Baltimore Ravens tattoos have you seen? You see that. All it takes is for one team to have a bad year and they get sold off and go to somewhere else and they're not even called that anymore. So, yeah. Live with that forever. That'd be tough. Yeah, I'm going to go overrated. There's no way I'm putting some dead guy's name on my my body in a made-up story about him <laughs> but i get it i mean i was thinking you'd be putting pursuit united up on you oh no and we won't last that long either <laughs> <laughs> we're like the edm stars but <laughs> uh, i mean there's a place for it i think if you have a connection with the brand like you're an employee or that's what you and your father drank or hung out together or that's in bardstown or your neck of the woods I'm just not a big tattoo person in general, so I, I, I don't know. I don't like them. Do you have any tattoos, Fred? I do. You do? What do you have? I have a Thunderbird with three feathers in my spine. What's it, what's it represent? So it represents two things. One, I don't talk about this a lot, but I'm Cherokee. Like I have a, just a touch, a drop of Cherokee in me, like a, like a 16th or something. And that was like the tribal symbol. And then, and then my very first uh, military unit, I was the 45th Infantry Division, and and that was the Thunderbird. And the three feathers represents my my lucky number three. Oh, nice. I was about to say, I was like, maybe we should make a pact. If, like, we need to figure out, like, what that goal is, and we'll get a... If we we'll don't get, go bankrupt. We'll, get, we'll, get we'll get figure out, like, what is that What is that goal, and we'll get a tattoo there. You all have tattoos? I do, do not. not. No. Oh, wow. Yeah, see? Yeah, there's nothing... I thought about getting, like, my favorite Bible verse put on there but i just can't get myself to do it just whatever you do don't do a, a foreign language because like that it's like a symbol because people are like you're a rat you know they'll be like they get like the wrong like chinese symbol or korean uh, yeah, letter yeah. on there so you, you know it's got to be careful there yeah <laughs> reminds me of or daniel. gaelic people get gaelic wrong all the time too so oh i would imagine so reminds me of uh, daniel tosh and he's like what'd you get oh it means love and water yeah <laughs> <laughs> All right, here we go. Distillery weddings. I think it's underrated. I think that that's a very cool place. Like you go to the Castle and Keys and see like their gardens and all the rick houses. It's so romantic and like just quintessential Kentucky. And there's just something, you know, there's just something romantic about a distillery that I think goes good with marriage. So I would say underrated. I, I wish I would have done one, but I got married on the beach. Actually, the beach was pretty cool. So. <laughs> You know, this is a tough one for me, you know, because my, my personal views of, of weddings are kind of unique. I, Jacqueline's grandma was like, we were looking at an outside uh, wedding and she's like, if you don't get it married in a church. I'm right not, there with you. You're not married. So uh, and while, while a distillery is most definitely a church for many of us. <laughs> it's I, it's I, our church. I don't, I don't know how all family members will will take it. And I and that's the thing about a wedding. Like I'm just going back when I when we got married, I spent more time worrying about what my parents thought, what Jacqueline's parents thought than what, yeah, we, than, what than what we wanted. So I think it's awesome. I would love to do it. I think they're beautiful. I think they are they're they're a representation of a connection of a marriage. But I think there's so much so many family dynamics that go into getting married. I would say for your first marriage Maybe don't do it. Hopefully, you don't have a second marriage. <laughs> but I get think second time you should do it. Here's but but your, but your second marriage, 
yeah, no one, no one's as tense. They're like, well, is it gonna, is he gonna actually? So overrated for first marriage, <laughs> underrated for second. Yeah, that's right. That's <laughs> okay. how I'd go. Fair enough. Yeah, I'll go underrated as well, Fred. I'm in the same boat as you. Is that when I got married, it was definitely who do we have to please? Like yeah. this is this is not for us. It's for everybody else. And I kind of wish we didn't fall into that trap because yes, uh, I am Catholic. I'm not what you would probably call the most practicing Catholic nowadays. Right here, man. Right so here. it's it's uh, one of those things. Might have, I don't say Sparks I'm just flew as you bumped fist. <laughs> <laughs> we'll say ten Hail Marys after this is over. Yeah. But it is like the grounds are really great. They're they're good to see. And by the way, I'm only going to say underrated. If you and your loved one are into it, do not force them into a distillery wedding the same way that you wouldn't force them into saying, I'd love to have a football-themed wedding. Yeah, right. and don't do it in July and August. It's going to be hot as hell. Yes. Yeah. Very true. All right, bourbon barrel furniture. Uh, for me, it's overrated. I'm just not a fan of them. Like those rocking chairs that are at the airport that you know, made out of bourbon barrel staves. Like I like, okay. So I like them for bars and like mantles, but like, I don't like the lights. I don't like chairs and I, I don't like the, the bourbon barrels cut out and put made into little mini bars. I don't know. I don't what do you like mean them. mini bars? Well, you know, like some people cut, you know, a door into a, and they'll put shelves inside a barrel. Oh, those things where you could like, you'd have literally like one shelf inside of a barrel. So yeah. Yeah. Fit, like 19 I, I, bottles I or something. I don't like those. I don't know. They, they're yeah. Just kinda... Or they'll put a slab of wood over two barrels, you know, that'd be like its own bar. Well, that's because there's, that's the easiest thing. Cause you don't want to buy a, uh, anything other stands. Right. You just have them already. I don't know. In, in, in redoing the basement, I'm trying to figure out ways to incorporate barrel wood in there. So, I'd say probably properly rated, and and that's just because I do stop and I look when I see something barrel related. You know, I stop and look, and I I'm like, oh, that's you nice. Check out the rivets. <laughs> I, I, I do. So I remember uh, a very good friend uh, telling me that she's tired of seeing like barrels everywhere, and I was like, well, I, you know, it's kind of what we're we're in the bourbon business, so like you're going to see barrels everywhere. So I think you you have seen you have seen a lot of people like design their visitor centers to kind of get away from that barrel look. Yeah, it kind of makes it just feel like crackle barrelish or yeah. something. Well, just like kind of cheesy. It doesn't feel like nice. I don't know. Yeah, it's I I, me. I think that's a good way, good comparison, cracker barrel. Yeah, I would say it's probably properly rated the way I look at it too. If it's done right, it just can't be overdone. Like you can't have literally. 19 pieces of bourbon barrel furniture that overtakes your man cave or something like that. And, and, and your wall is staves and like their bar is made out of staves. And it's just like, okay. Well, that's, now that's you can buy, much. you can buy the Rick house, uh, reclaimed Rick house wood for your flooring. That's yeah. actually kind of cool though. You know, I, there, know. I mean, you can, there's so much you can do. I'm not going to say that. It's cool. Bar- I think it, from Barton. Uh, well, there's a, these companies come up and they get like a, an old, uh, oh, actually, there you was, were making a joke about the Barton. Yeah, there you go. There was actually one that was right uh, over around here. Oh yeah. Yeah. The, the National, old, Distiller. old National Distillers building. Yeah. There yeah. was somebody that, that got all the wood from there. Yeah. And so you can get that and, and turn it, it was into It's funny floors. when they tore it down, all the contractors like lined up just huffing bricks in there. Cause those old, like 1950 bricks that they don't make anymore. Right. Oh wow. They were like, take what you want. Just get it out of here. Yep. All right. Cooking with bourbon. Uh, I think it's properly rated. I mean, I feel like there's only so much you can do. It sounds romantic, but really, actually, Let's, I don't know. I'm going to take bourbon balls and bourbon chocolate out of this. Okay. This is like you're doing like a turkey brine or you're doing 
I don't know. You're doing some pasta dish. You put a little spoonful of bourbon in. Yeah, I'm gonna go overrated. The only thing I can, because a lot of times in these, when you cook it, the bourbon gets cooked off, and you really don't even taste it. Right. And so, like, the only thing that would be different for me is like a barbecue sauce, bourbon barbecue sauce, something that you're not just like cooking it off. Mm. Um, desserts, you know, are are good with bourbon. That's why I left it out of because any bourbon ball, you can still taste the bourbon in it. Right. So. I don't I don't even know what I just said if that's underrated or overrated. <laughs> Sometimes I feel like it's overrated because you really the bourbon gets cooked out and it's it's not there. Yeah, I'll, I'll say overrated as well because I am I am literally a sucker when I go to a restaurant and be like, "Oh, here's our bourbon glazed pork chop." And I'm like, oh. I mean, I got it. Yeah, I have to order it and you get it and you're like, well, I mean, it just tastes like a sweet glaze. On yeah, it, it could have just tastes been like bourbon. It could have been any kind of glaze except yeah. you got me with the bourbon there. So I am, I have, that's, I need to learn to not fall into that trap, but I'm going to stick with overrated. So I, I think at this moment in time, it is overrated, but it's soon to be underrated. I'll give you some background. When, oh, when, Here we go. When, when you started seeing Arby's talking about their bourbon uh, sandwich and it kind of came out that uh, bourbon was like uh, created as like a, a like a food uh, food flavor by one of those flavor houses that does like salt and pepper, you know, sauces and things like that. That to me is like it kind of jumped the shark. But Ed Lee, Chef Ed Lee, you know, he's a friend, uh, celebrity chef, just uh, to me is like I, I think he's one of the best chefs in the world. Uh, I'd put him top five in the country he's about to come out with a bourbon cookbook and the minute that he puts out all of his like tips and secrets and how he cooks with bourbon which nobody cooks with bourbon like ed lee no one once that's out there and it's in a simple format then it'll be underrated and everybody will be doing it right because you're right ryan you cook it off and the only way to put, you know, to really take advantage of it is in a sauce. And it's overused in things like the glaze or the Arby's, uh, the, the Arby's sauce. But once once Ed's got his stamp out there and like the mainstream, I mean, the man wins James Beard's awards and Emmys and shit. I mean, this guy's, he, he's going to blow up bourbon cooking. And I, I, I can't wait. What I think is underrated is pairing food with bourbon. Hugely like, I've underrated. Been, I've been substituting instead of drinking wine at dinner. I've been drinking bourbons, and man, do they pair really well together! Mm, absolutely. So, what goes well with macaroni and cheese? That one I have not done yet. <laughs> I, I don't eat a lot of carbs, so macaroni's not. Yeah, yeah stay away from that, man. Yeah. Yeah. So the only way you can probably get bourbon infused macaroni and cheese is after you make it. Just put a spoonful of bourbon and just kind of mix it around in there. Oh boy! Then hey, we're cooking with bourbon now. All right, bottled and bond. Uh, wow, that is hugely underrated, there, sir. <laughs> Anything. Bernie Lovers will tell you it's underrated. Yeah, I was about to say, Brian's, I can see it. He's struggling. I can I, see the, the number. To me, it's overrated. I just think it doesn't mean anything anymore. Everybody has standards and quality that's would meet, you know, any food quality. And I get how historically important it was. And Fred's going to guess he has the whole spiel. But uh, <laughs> like I today's just, consumer market. Like today's consumer market. Like if it says bald and bond, that means absolutely oh. nothing to me. Like oh. I, I just think. Ryan. I just, to me, if I fall on that dumb consumer, does it taste good? <laughs> you know, I don't, there's more things that I'm concerned about than the bald and bond. I'm having chest pains here. <laughs> it's okay. Well, uh, call uh, yeah, so 
Shouldn't joke about that, by the way, but that was just to point out <laughs> my level of stress that I'm having here uh, listening to my good friend Ryan Cecil say that bottle and bond no longer matters to the consumers. But if we did, if everything- I think it's bottle- more marketing now than anything. Oh, God. <laughs> Dagger, I, I get Dagger you're going to the, the history and how important oh! it was, but it's no longer relevant. So here's the thing. We, we spend so much time talking about transparency. On this show, we talk so much time about transparency. We talk about these barrel finishes and how, like, someone's going over there, well, I just dropped a bucket of port in here. You know, we talk about this all the time. And Bottle and Bond is the government guarantee that... The government's no, not doing anything anymore. They still inspect. They still inspect. And, you know, you still, you screw up. I say get, that in order to get, have, like, a, get fine. an agent show up here. I mean, it could happen. You know, you get you get fined uh, if you violate it. And they still they, they they still go through your your logs, and uh, believe me, they do do that, and, and they make surprise inspections. But do they care as much as they used to? Absolutely not. But aside from the government guarantee, which I know can be like a controversial thing to say even today, bottom and bond is transparency. It's you know plain and simple transparency. So what's it's your a, rating? It's very underrated. It's very underrated. And it's also it's also more expensive to produce because you are talking about, you know, not uh, not mixing distilling seasons, you know, and that's hard. That's right. actually hard. Knob Creek is 100 proof. People ask me, like, why is it in a bottle and bond since it's 100 proof? I'm like, well, there it's it's not cost effective for them to not mix distilling seasons. So that's it. Fair point. I didn't think about that. So I would say. I'll go in the middle. I'll say properly rated, and and that's because it's a cop out for me. So when I think about this, it's yes, there's there's great things that we look at from a consumer standpoint of view, but as Ryan said, most people just don't care whether it tastes good. Now, when I think about it from a product positioning perspective, yes, that is another category. It's something that you can say is a market stamp of approval. Go, we have a bottled and bond. Like we have that other stamp that says we can do this now. So from that perspective, that's why I'm going to say it's properly rated. It's like a proud moment when those small distillers come out with the bottled and bond. Exactly. I remember when I remember when Sagamore had their bottled and bond, man, they couldn't have been more excited. Exactly. And that's why yeah. I said you have you have something that kind of puts a little feather in your cap there. Mm-hmm. It's like getting a bachelor's degree, Ryan. That's overrated these days. <laughs> <laughs> I won't argue with that. <laughs> Tasting notes. Oh, man. I'd... All right, I'll go first. Yeah. I'll say overrated. Uh, and this is because... Anybody can come up with tasting notes. We have to do it ourselves for, well, A, for our whiskey quickies, but B, for our own products that we put out there and we put them on shelf talkers. We put them on sell sheets and you could put anything that you wanted that you wanted this whiskey to taste like and nobody's going to hold you accountable for it. So that's why I'm going to say overrated. I'm going to go underrated because this is different now. We're different, but most people think bourbon is just bourbon. And, you know, it tastes mm-hmm. like bourbon. But if you can give them flavors to look and search for, it kind of makes the category more interesting, more unique. Now, as with anything, you know, just like the bald and bond thing, it's been ruined as marketing. And <laughs> and uh, I, it gets overboard. But I, I think tasting notes are underrated. I think they've gotten a lot of people into the category. You know, they, they can translate that from wine. You know, a lot of people get tasting notes out of wine. Then come to bourbon, kind of do that too. Or their foodies, you know, same mm. thing. So I think 
I think the tasting notes have helped grow in the category because it's just kind of given this, getting all these like kind of industries that are kind of, that thrive on that as well, got them into the whiskey. That's interesting. If you think about it, tasting notes didn't really start in bourbon until uh, Woodford Reserve was putting them out in the, in the nineties. It, it was not, it's still kind of a new concept and you had reviewers do it, but it was very different than it is today. I think from a brand's perspective, like putting their own tasting notes on there, way overrated. I could care less what a brand is, you know, trying to say about their whiskey to sell their whiskey. I could care less about that. And I actually find out, you, you, you talk to consumers, they kind of agree with me. It, they're like, there's a bias there. Independent tasting notes uh, separate from the brand owners, that's valuable. That's very valuable. That's, that is, uh, that's powerful. And I do not, you know, because I write them or I do reviews, I try not to to read other people's before I taste a, a product. But uh, I do like to see how my stuff matches up with someone, if we have any similarities. And often, often we do. But I think more importantly, tasting notes do not matter if you do not know how to taste. You know, so sure. I think I think you have to you have to put the tasting notes on like who is giving them, and kind of like Kenny said, anybody can put them out. So unless they are qualified, uh, they are very overrated. It's like a tasting. I had a gentleman coming to me at a Total Wine, and he saw our tasting notes that we didn't write. It was like the John Barleycorn writers wrote about it, and uh, it said like hints of blackberry and chocolate and orange. And he's like, "Oh, I've been wanting a whiskey." flavored whiskey like that and I was like uh it's not flavored whiskey buddy <laughs> <laughs> he's like that's down there that owl so did he buy it no he he he, he was like ran oh. away he's like he's game. like I don't like regular bourbon I want the flavored stuff I was like all right yeah actually this idea came to me because of a uh, above the char that you did on stone fruit oh. and I was actually going to say is stone fruit overrated or underrated and we probably all say overrated yeah. Uh, well, I, I I hear people give that note. I'm it's like so vague. <laughs> I'm like, oh, is it a plum or a peach or you know apricot? That's like, what I hate is like the generic terms, just like yeah. caramel, vanilla, leather, tobacco, and you're like, well, everything has some of that in it. You know, it is it is it is kind of weird. But if you don't, if you are if you're a bourbon producer and you're not seeing caramel put in a tasting note out there, then you're doing you're doing something wrong. <laughs> you know, like right. bourbon. Traditional bourbon, there should be a caramel or vanilla like, note in there somewhere. Yeah, there's five flavors that should always be in every bourbon. If they're not, yeah. they're, then they're, there's something flawed with you it. Need to, you need to rethink what, what you're doing. Yeah. Unless unless you have something so prominent and different, like Spirits of French Lake with their green stuff, then it, that, that's okay. All right, last one here. The Fred Minnick effect. Oh, I'd say it's underrated. That still blows my mind. He's like Oprah Winfrey. Every time he says something, it clears shelves, you know. But he's he's just that gatekeeper, and people love and trust his judgment as they should. He's very talented, has a great palate, great insight, you know, and experience. You know, it only comes from someone that's been in this industry long and tasted that many products that you can actually trust. And most of the times, when he says things, it the 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 product you know meets. It's a high regard, and most time it meets. There's a few that I'm like, ah, Fred, I don't think it's so. But uh, for the most part, I think it's underrated. 
I'm going to deflate his ego and say overrated. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's it's very much underrated. I think, as as Ryan said, there is definitely something about it. It is something that anytime there is a whiskey of the year, and even if you can't get the whiskey of the year, if you're the second whiskey of the year, oh, or even yeah. the third whiskey of the year, you're going to see a little uptick in sales. So it's a very real thing. So I'm going to say underrated. Yeah, I, and there's brands that will pay for that too. <laughs> not that you do. I'm just saying they yeah, would, I would, not they would pay yeah. for that to have yeah. that happen. Yeah, you know, it's funny, like, I, obviously with my, with my ascots, you know, that is a business, there's entry fees connected to that, people enter that, and I actually find a lot of products through spirits competitions, but my individual things, like, I don't, there's nothing around that, I'm trying to, I'm trying to turn that a little bit more into, like, you know, content and entertaining and education, but, you know, I have actually had brands try to you know, say like, Hey, we want to do something with you. We want to do this. I was like, no, I don't, I don't do that. But it's weird for me. I've, I don't know if I will ever get used to it that when I do say something, I, I, people will buy stuff just because I don't like it to see if they agree (laughs) or or they will buy something just because I say it's, I, I like it. But what I try to do, I just try to give my honest opinion on something, whether or not that moves it, I don't know. I don't. I don't care. But at the at the end of the day, it is a little uncomfortable when my wife is yelling at me when we can't get something anymore, and uh, I'm like, why? Why are you so concerned about it? It's like, well, you should have never said you like Booker's Rye. I was like, we were never going to get any more Booker's Rye. <laughs> that was it, you know. So, it's. Oh, how it, would you rate yourself? Ah, uh, man, I don't know. Properly I, rated. Properly rated. <laughs> I don't really think I don't think of I don't think of myself like other people do think of me uh, or think I think I like my I don't know I don't <laughs> it's I don't a hard that. one to rate yourself <laughs> I on. just do I matter or not I just go <laughs> this is a deeper philosophical <laughs> Here we discussion go. you know I will tell you this I suck at jujitsu like everyone else who gets in jujitsu I suck at that you uh-huh. got to get your ass kicked a few times to get able to. That's all you do is get yeah. your ass kicked even when you're good to get your it's ass it's like kicked. owning your own bourbon brand get your ass kicked <laughs> you get your ass every day. But man, I, I, I love what I do and I'm thankful for y'all's kind words, but um, I, I will say that I definitely, you know, when I take meetings for like my my private events and everything, the amount of people who have watched my videos or seen my rankings, it always amazes me who, who watches it. It's very humbling. It's very humbling. I'm just, I'm just a guy who fell into this and, and just love it. I absolutely love it. What I don't love is the... Uh, is the is the weird shit that goes on, you know, the secondary market just blowing up because I said I like something. That that part has been weird for me. It's like when when the secondary markets start quoting me and my my stuff or or the auction houses do. I'm like, "Huh, you guys are sure making a lot of money off of that, you know." <laughs> so, it's uh it's it's weird. You got to start trademarking literally everything you do in the video with, and now this is now copyrighted yeah, you, by blah, 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 blah. You can't do that. It's fair It's fair use, and that's okay. What I will say is very interesting is when I give bad reviews, the brands will still take my tasting notes and, and like, put them in their marketing. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like, one star, worst bourbon ever had. Yeah, OZ Tyler did not do that. <laughs> in fact, OZ Tyler discontinued that brand about six months after I said it smelled like a dead cat. <laughs> there you go. Word be of on your tasting sheet. Yeah, there you go. Sell sheet. Make sure you uh, put good whiskey in front of Fred. But that's going to do it. I'd like to show 
underrated, overrated, properly rated. So if there's some things that you want us to rate next time, send us an email. Let us know. Team at bourbonpursuit.com. I think it'd be podcast bourbonpursuit.com. We got a few different aliases out there, but also make sure you subscribe. Leave a review, tell a friend, share it with a friend. I don't know. Let us know what you think of Tasting Notes, whether they're properly rated or not. But with that, cheers, everybody. We'll see you next time. Grover Cleveland's rolling in his grave right now. Toodles. Sucks. (laughs) 